Welcome and thank you for joining us again on another wonderful day where we can worship our Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that begins to challenge our heart concerning this area of righteousness. You know, when I've looked at righteousness in the Bible, it's used over 500 times. Well, our variation of the word righteous, righteous, righteousness, right, upright, unrighteousness, all these kinds of, of connections with this word right are used in the Bible because I think God is trying to get us to the place that we walk in his righteousness and not in the righteousness of man. And as we look at this word righteous, it means simply to be in the area of justice, to be upright and virtuous. And so as we go into Romans, you know, Romans is a book that has written a lot about grace righteousness. Paul was trying to move people from you know, a type of righteousness which was, which was wrapped up in law righteousness. And he wanted them to show that there is no righteousness in the law of that they had when that Moses had given them that the righteousness that they thought was in the law where in reality the law was a schoolmaster to point them that it was impossible to do righteousness in their lives but in Christ Jesus we see that it is possible that we are able to walk upright in him and so the challenge that we face and the idea that we want to look at today is what kind of righteousness are we walking in as a body of believers, because you know, you can have different kinds of righteousness, as you may know, and people walk in a variety of different righteousness. Some of them are self-righteous, people who have set up all kinds of standards and that, and they, for their lives, and they say, I am walking righteously. I am doing what is right, what is required of me, and I am doing it, and so I'm a righteous person. So we say we're self-righteous. Then we can look in the Hebrew scriptures and we saw that in the Old Testament that people tried to walk by law righteousness. The law that Moses gave, not realizing that the, most, the law that Moses gave was to be a guide and a schoolmaster to point them to the true righteousness. And then there's like today, there is the world righteousness, things that are going on. You know, where they're saying, you know, this is scientifically fact. This is a fact. We have fact checkers and everything else who are checking all the information that's out there to make sure that it is right what is being said. And so we have this world righteousness. But Paul, as I said already, was trying to get the people to understand that the old covenant, yes, was being fulfilled and Christ fulfilled all righteousness of the old covenant. But then he gave a new covenant, which was in him. And it was because of him, his shed blood and his death on the cross, we can have this new covenant of righteousness through Jesus Christ. It was not going to be of the self. It wasn't going to be of the law. It wasn't going to be of the things of this world, but it was going to be under him where he covers us with his righteousness. Remember, put on the breastplate of righteousness and also fills us. The Bible tells us with his righteousness. So as we go in the Romans, we're going to be studying Romans chapter 9, verses 30 to 33. And to give you a little bit of context about this is when we begin to look at the first few verses, verses 1 to 5, Israel rejects Christ. They're rejecting Christ as the Messiah. 
You know, Christ came as the Messiah, as the anointed one, and they were rejecting him. And then in verses 6 through to 13, Israel rejects God's purposes. Not only did they reject Christ, but because of the way they were walking, they weren't walking obediently to what God had told them to do. So they had even rejected the purposes of God. And then when we get into verses 14 to 29, we see Israel rejects God's justice. God is a just God. And, and if you want to really see, like take a coin, for example, and look at both sides. Here is one of those kind of words that you can have righteousness on one side and justification on the other side. In many languages, they are linked very close together. They're like brothers. Righteousness and justice. Where there is righteousness, there is justice. And where there is justice, there is righteousness. And Paul wanted to bring this across to the believers. Quit rejecting Christ as the Messiah. Quit rejecting God's purposes. This has been God's purposes to bring his righteousness to this lost world through Jesus Christ. And to understand that God is a just God. And his justice will come through his righteous son, Jesus Christ. So as we look at four different things today, let us read from this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter uh, 9, verses 30 to 33, and see what it says about uh, this whole area of righteousness. If I, if I was to give it a title, I would say pursuing the righteous rock, or to put it the other way, another way, the righteous rock of Jesus Christ, because it's going to talk about righteousness and it's going to talk about the rock of Jesus Christ. That's where true righteousness needs to be built on. So let's restart with verse 30, where it says, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? Verse 30, But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. But as it is written, by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Verse 33, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone uh, and rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So here, Paul was trying to say to the Roman church, I want to show you something that's going on out there. Because the Jewish people were having a lot of problems with the Gentiles being converted and not doing the things of the law. You know, they were still eating different kind of foods. Remember, you know, Peter had that vision about different kinds of food. Some of them were still requiring circumcision, which was part of the law. And Paul goes through the whole book of Romans and teaches that true righteousness is not by the things you do to your flesh or by the things you carry out concerning the law or the world. True righteousness comes through the grace of Jesus Christ, Christ the Anointed One. So as we look into our four points today, our first one is that we're to pursue righteousness by faith. It's interesting, as you look at verse 30 here, this idea of pursue means to follow after. 
to engage in, to work at, to hunt, to, to you know, deeply desire what God wants us to see. And this idea of faith means to trust, to believe, to commit, to have an allegiance to. So we're pursuing after, we're following after and trusting and believing and committing ourselves, making an allegiance with God Almighty himself. And he says here in verse 30, how the Gentiles, and this must have been a challenge, as I said, for the Jews, how the Gentiles, you know, they were not pursuing righteousness, but have attained righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. So he starts off by a question, what shall we say then? How do we explain this of what's going on with the Gentiles? And he was trying to explain this to the Jewish church. What's going on? What is, what is God doing? God spent hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, perfecting, as it were, the law, that people would follow it. And then there was those 400 years of silence where nothing was said. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were trying to become professional law keepers. You know, and we know that from the life of Paul, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisee and he was a law keeper. He was, you know, he thought his righteousness came through the law until he ran into Jesus Christ and then realized that it was not based on the law, but it was based on faith. It was based on grace righteousness. So he says, what shall we say then? And that's the question. What do we say when people come to know Christ? And that at first it seems like, how do they come to know him? And the, and the way is, is because Christ, through the Holy Spirit, pours out his righteousness to whoever will believe and have faith in him. And so he was saying that here they didn't pursue it, but they attained it. And that shows me another word. We talked about the word pursue and we talked about the word faith, but we also need to talk about the word attain, which means to achieve or accomplish or to conquer or to reach out or to realize. See, faith opened the door to righteousness. And the reason why they got righteousness or they attained righteousness was because of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the gent or what the, the Jewish people needed to understand. That God was doing something different today. And what he was pouring out was grace righteousness. That whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what grace righteousness is all about. And so we pursue righteousness by faith. Secondly, we see that we're not to pursue righteousness through the law. Because now we see not only the talk about the Gentiles in verse 30, but now it talks about Israel. And what was the problem with Israel? So Paul's giving the two sides of the coin. There's the Gentiles. They didn't pursue, but by faith they got righteousness. We got the Jews who were pursuing through the law and didn't get, right, didn't get righteousness. Look what he says. But Israel... Pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. They pursued it. They're still pursuing to this day. People around the world and various religions are trying to pursue God through the things they do. Even Buddhism has the concept of if you just do enough right things, 
more than the wrong things, you will have a better karma and you will come back the next time around in your 30 some odd types of coming back to life that you will have some form of better righteousness than the bad righteousness. And you can go on. There is all kinds of religious groups out there that are trying to walk and get their righteousness by faith. That's why you have so many Christians sometimes. You ask, are you going to heaven? Well, we hope so. And when we say, well, why do you hope so? Well, I'm going to get in there by the skin of my teeth. No, you don't get in there by the skin of your teeth. You don't get in there by anything that you do other than faith in Jesus Christ, in believing him. And once you do that, you then are clothed in righteousness and you are filled in righteousness. But the Jews could not accept that. They wanted something that they could put on the way scale and say, see, I've done more righteous things than bad things. And that's a trap of the devil. That's what Jesus came to set us free. I remember the early years of Irene in her Christian walk struggled often with depression. And it was found out later that a lot of her depression came because she was trying to keep law righteousness trying to keep everything perfect, everything right, the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect Christian, the perfect pastor's wife, all these things. And then finally, as she was studying Romans and took it as a course in Bible school and began to get the concept that it wasn't because of law righteousness, it was because of grace righteousness that you're saved. It's by faith are you saved. Least any man should boast. It's not in us. That's why a person like myself from the streets and, and who was sinful and wayward and everything like the prodigal son can become righteous in Jesus Christ, not because of what we've done, but because of faith, faith in Christ Jesus. So they pursued after, they were pursuing righteousness by the law, but didn't attain it. And, all, and they were not able to fulfill it. It's interesting that even Jesus, when he first started his ministry, if you look at when he was talking to John the Baptist, Jesus said, you know, I need to be baptized by you. And, and John was saying, but, you know, Lord, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, we need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And what he was talking about was to show that he himself came to fulfill the law. And once the law was being fulfilled, how was it being fulfilled? By the shedding of his blood, by the Lamb of God being uh, sacrificed on the cross. And because of that, we can then put on his righteousness. Amen? Which brings us to the third point. We have this how the Gentiles pursued righteousness. Then we have how Israel pursued righteousness. And now I want to talk to you about how I believe a disciple should pursue righteousness. And I think it's found in verse 32 because he answers the question, why? Why did the Gentiles get righteousness and the children of God did not get righteousness? And Paul asks why. He's simply asking, and I would ask that question of you today. How was how that possible? That one would receive righteousness who seems to be outside of the family of God. And the family of God, you know, didn't get righteousness. 
and they were part of the family of God. Well, it was, Paul is going to explain it to us. He says, because they did not seek it by faith. See, all righteousness needs to come by seeking it by faith. It doesn't come any other way. And that's what the Gentiles were able to Jews, and that's what Israel missed out on. When he asked the question, why? Why do we as disciples need to have the righteousness of God? And how do we get the righteousness of God? And we get it by seeking Jesus Christ through faith. You will not be able to have your sins blotted out any other way. You know, it doesn't have, you know, in the records that Christ is keeping, he doesn't, you know, all of a sudden have a, a system where he just, you know, well, I'll keep this and I'll take that out. No, when sin is confessed, it's blotted out. When we seek Christ as our Lord and Savior, we now become a believer clothed in his righteousness, walking in his righteousness, and his love is being extended to us through righteousness. And so the disciple needs to seek. And this idea of seeking is to get, to search out, to pursue, to take, to follow. And that's what a disciple is. When, when, when Jesus was calling the disciples, what did he say to the disciples? What did he say to some of them? He said, follow me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Seek me and I will show you much glory coming from heaven. But the thing is, we need to seek. We need to seek. Some of you know in Matthew, it talks about seeking you shall find, asking it shall be opened to you. Knock, you know, that verse that we sometimes have up on the wall. We're to ask, seek, and knock. And as we do that, I believe God then pours out his righteousness on us. We are to be a vessel of his righteousness. We're to be a channel of his righteousness, but not by the law and not by our own self-righteousness or by the world righteousness. We are doing it because of grace, faith, righteousness. Amen. That they were to pursue the disciples. The questions of the disciples were was to pursue not only Jesus Christ's righteousness, but also Christ's righteous kingdom where he dwells, interceding on behalf of us. So we see here that we're to pursue righteousness by faith. Secondly, we're not to pursue righteousness through the law. Thirdly, the disciple needs to pursue righteousness by seeking. Seek and ye shall find. That's why we can stand up and be who we are, not by our ability, not by our strength, not by the things that we can muster up, but it all comes through Jesus Christ. His strength, his ability poured out upon us, and it comes all by faith, by seeking him. Well, the third part is that not only do we talk about this pursuing that the Gentiles had and the pursuing that the Israel people had and the pursuing that the disciples have, now we see that we are being challenged to do one more thing. Not those that have just talked about, but in reality, we're to pursue the rock of Christ. Look what it says here. He goes on in verse 32. But as it were by the works of the law, no, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, 
and whoever believes on him should not be put to shame. It's interesting that as this scripture is being quoted, as it is quoted from the Hebrew word itself, Paul was trying to say, hey, what the problem is that you have stumbled over Christ Jesus and not realize that we shouldn't be stumbling over Christ Jesus, but we're to be pursuing Christ Jesus. See, the rock, the idea of a rock is something that's stalwart. It's a pillar. It's a mainstay. It's a foundation that when we build upon, we will not be moved. Remember the parable of the wise builder and the foolish builder? One who built him built his house upon the rock and the one who built upon his sand. And the one who built himself his house upon the rock, when the winds and the waves came, it, the house didn't move. But the one who built himself upon the sand, when the winds and the waves came, it collapsed. And people that are building their, their house upon, you know, the whole idea of self-righteousness or building their house on law righteousness or will righteousness, when the winds and the waves come, your house will fall and you will lose all. But he who builds his house upon the rock. And so Jesus was trying, or Paul was trying to say to the, the people here that you have a choice. And either you build upon this rock or this rock will become a stumbling block for you. And that's what was happening to the Jewish people. It was becoming Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, was becoming a stumbling block. And they wanted to have law righteousness. They wanted to be able to have the way scale method. And is simply instead of just saying by faith, you have the righteousness of Christ. And so it was a stumbling stone. People were tripping over. That's the idea. You know, it's a, it's a stone on the sidewalk. When you're walking along, everything seems smooth. And then you hit that stone and you trip over it. And that's what was happening. People are... All around the world, when they see, you know, that by faith you're to receive Jesus Christ, they stumble over that. Well, there must be more that we need to do. There must be more that we need to keep. We have to do something. And the answer is, you don't. What you have to do is have faith in the rock of Jesus Christ. And that Christ should not become a stumbling stone for you. He should become a firm foundation for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you getting this whole idea of righteousness? How do we stand upright? How do we stand righteously before the Lord? How do we go into the Holy of Holies? How do we go to a righteous kingdom who has a righteous king? How is all that possible? And it's all possible because of Christ's shed blood, which the offering which he gave was righteous, was holy, was without fault, or without a spot or wrinkle on it, and we were made holy. That's why he comes for his bride. His bride is going to be clothed in righteousness. And so we see here that it was a stumbling stone. But then he goes on here and tells us from Isaiah chapter 8, 14, he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone. And the interesting thing is that Jesus Christ came to Jerusalem. It came to, the, to Zion, the city of our God. And what happened? The religious leaders, the, the people that were in charge, the rulers, the people that were keepers of the word of God, stumbled over Jesus Christ. They stumbled so much that they wanted to kill him. 
they wanted to, you know, destroy him because they it was he was ruining all their law righteous way of living. But he goes on here, Isaiah says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. It offended them. It offended them. But Paul wanted the Romans to know that Jesus is not there to cause you to stumble. He's not there to cause you to be offended. He is there to help you along life's journey. That the road would be smooth before you. Jesus has come as the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to trust on him. That's the sure foundation. That's the rock that we're to build on. So that when the winds and the waves come, and they will come, and they are coming even in our day and age, it will show forth where our righteousness is. And again, it's not our righteousness. It's his righteousness being poured through us. Of course, as you know about this whole idea of the rock of offense and the stumbling stone, and he goes on, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Well, there's other passages of scriptures that Peter talks about and Isaiah talks about and Paul talks about how this stone is also the chief cornerstone. And if we build our lives, see, when the, when the stone was being picked in the quarry, often, they would pick and the stone would be cut and it would be cut out of the quarry and there would be several ones that would be cut and the, and the architect and the engineer would come down and say, okay, that's the stone we want. That's the stone that we're going to use to set up our building, that all the angles are all going to come from it. The right angles, the ups and down angles, everything will be built upon that cornerstone. And Jesus comes as that rock, as that cornerstone. And the Bible tells us that when the people of Israel went down to the quarry, what did they do? They rejected the cornerstone. The cornerstone became a stumbling stone. The cornerstone became a stone of offense. Not realizing that the cornerstone that Christ was picked for was to be the cornerstone of his church, of his bride whom he is going to come back for again. So my challenge to us today as we look into this passage of Scripture, are you pursuing righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ? Or are you trying to pursue righteousness by, by the law or by the world or by, the, by your own self? Are you seeking Christ and all his fullness so that you may walk upright as a disciple of Christ in his righteousness and not your righteousness? And are you also walking a journey where you're not stumbling over Christ, but you're building your life upon the rock of Jesus Christ? That's what it's all about. That's what we have to choose today. So I guess my challenge to us as a church today is, what kind of righteousness are you building your life on? We need to look in the mirror, as James says, and ask this question, because you may not realize you may have been like Irene and other people that are trying to build self-righteousness or build on law righteousness or build according to the world's righteousness. We need to flee from those things because those things lead to death. But what leads to true life is righteousness of Jesus Christ, who is the righteous rock that we are to build on. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that you will take this word and challenge our hearts. 
Father, that we would realize, oh God, that you want us to walk in grace righteousness. You want us to lay aside the righteousness of self. You want us to flee from the righteousness of the world. You want us to, Lord, uh, stop doing the law righteousness of the Hebrew scriptures, but to live in grace righteousness that your scriptures talked about all the way from Genesis through from Abraham all the way through to the present day and age and in the ages yet to come. That Lord, that there is no other way to your kingdom other than through your righteousness. So I pray today that our hearts would be challenged, that we would think about, Lord, what kind of righteousness we are walking. Lord, that we would stand in front of the mirror and Lord God, that you would show us what kind of righteousness that we are living by? What kind of righteousness are we preaching? What kind of righteousness are we trying to trial our children and grandchildren? Oh God, help us to have the freedom to have faith to believe that the only true way, that the only true life is in your righteousness. And so we thank you now for this opportunity to share the word of God in this church this day now. And we give you thanks for what you're going to do and continue to do. And so, Father, we bow down before you, humbly before you, confessing our sin and asking you to forgive us. And Lord, receiving you, Jesus, by faith, that as we receive you by faith, that we would die to ourselves and live according to to your righteousness in our heart. So we give you thanks now in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. And I hope that this word righteousness has challenged you. And if you think you need to know a little bit more about this righteousness walk of the Lord Jesus Christ, read the whole book of Romans. You'll be surprised that there it's used dozens and dozens of times, actually pretty close to 50 times, where Paul is trying to hammer the church of Rome and the church today needs to be hammered into the place of seeing and seeking God's righteousness through Jesus Christ by faith. Amen. God bless you. It's been good to be with you. And hopefully one day we'll get to see you again. Bye-bye for now.